is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have uh, a lot going on in uh, the swamp, and we'll have to talk about a little bit of that and some great interviews today. Thank you for tuning in. It's, again, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, you know, let me remind you. Over at ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can get all the great interviews we've been doing. They're posted over there. I got an email from one of the listeners who wanted to go back and listen to David Horowitz, the great David Horowitz. I have to admit, when I have him on the radio these days, his voice is so hoarse that we work really hard to um, make sure it's it's a good enough connection, but it's tough. So a great thing to do is go listen again over at ProAmericaReport.com, and you can uh, do that anytime. Okay, so uh, big news. About a week from now, I think it'll be middle of next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, we'll have the great Larry Elder on for an extended two-part, about a 20-minute interview. We'll talk about his race for governor. We'll also talk about his book on his dad, uh, because Larry talks a lot about about the family, and it's very powerful. So we're going to talk to Larry Elder. So look forward to that. I'll make sure to preview it. And it looks like our program, the Pro-America Report, it may be picked up. People have been listening to They want to pick it up on a St. Louis station. A community conservative station is interested in playing parts of the program. So we'll see I'll I'll keep you updated on all that. Okay, but here's going to be a little interesting thing. I'm going to tell you the biggest news in the national news right now that they want to cover is a possible bipartisan gazillion dollar spending bill on roads and bridges. It's not bad. I mean, we got to build our roads and bridges. It's bad that we've wasted trillions of dollars on other stuff in the last three or four years. But I don't even want to talk about that because it's a distraction. I don't even really want to talk about the Pelosi show trial, although we probably should and could, and I'll talk to some of our other guests about that. What I want to talk about right now is the real problem, and I'm serious, of mental health in America because of the insanity of our media and of, of the decisions made by people in our media and big tech to make the messaging all about agitation, uh, dis- not distractions, worse than agitation, anxiety, and people have to be upset with each other. You, you, if you look at the business model of big media and big tech, it's, it's agitate so that people will return. I mean, if you're watching big tech or social media, it's clicks and likes. But if you're watching uh, Fox News or watching CNN, it's agitate so people will return. That's the business model. That's what happens when you are watching these. T- and, and, and they're doing this intentionally. And under Donald Trump's president, during, during Donald Trump's presidency, we watched the media and big tech. And b- by the way, both sides of the aisle, Fox News was doing it. Even some of the talk show, conservative talk shows were doing it because the business model is sort of a rut people are in to get people agitated and anxious. So they return to get another dose. And it's not usually to soothe them. It's to get them soothed for a minute and then agitated again. And so we're hooked on this agitation culture. And we're expressing it in all sorts of ways that are terribly unhealthy. So we have high suicide rates, way high. People say it's the pandemic. Well, it's partly the pandemic and all the disruption, but it's partly how the pandemic is being fed to us by the media, how they control what we see and what we do because they control what we know. 
And so you have suicides at a higher rate among normal people, drug and alcohol abuse at a higher rate. You have incredible uh, mental health issues. And then you have people that look like professionals because they have degrees and PhDs telling us how divided we should be, how angry we should be, how upset we should be, how off base, how intolerant, how white supremacist you are. And so when I watched uh, Simone Biles, the woman, the, the gymnast, who in the middle of her final culmination of the Olympics decided that she didn't have the mental health to keep going, I thought we've put ourselves in a position where A, she can say that, and that's not a negative thing, right? If somebody's really unwell, you want them to say, give me help, help. But we've also put them in a place where we we drive people with the media attention, with the coverage. I, I just think, imagine the whole system of an Olympic athlete is frankly mostly mental. And to discover at the last minute of your final round against the Russians, it feels to me like what you would do and I'm, I'm being careful here. Let me say, I don't know her mental health issues. I haven't seen more specific coverage. And if somebody's really unwell in their head and needs help, they should get it. But it feels like a sitcom. It feels like one of these shows that you watch on TV where the dramatic twist is that she's going to walk off the mat and not come back. And we've ha- we're having well, that's happening to us because we're not getting messages about being normal, about how to handle things, about what to do. Our message is all around us is agitate and cause anxiety and you will be rewarded, at least with attention, if not money. And so you see this over and over. You see the, the, the cops crying during their testimony for the Pelosi show trial. And you say that they don't look like they're faking it necessarily, but they look like they bought into this idea that everything has to be a crisis so that they can be at the part, people can be a part of it. And you're seeing it all over. And my point here is not to say that there's not always been problems in people's lives. There always has been. You know, I'm not a believer. You go back and read, and you know, go all go all the way back and read the Greeks. Go back and read the uh, go back and read the um, uh, the the early Roman, you know, authors and Shakespeare in his time, the Renaissance. Anyway, anytime you'll see everybody's always had problems. What I'm saying is the ability of big tech and big media and our culture to make people crazy. They've never been better at it, and it's really, really destructive. And you're seeing it all around us all the time. And you're seeing the anxiety and the edge and the energy. And, and, you know, when you read the Bible, when you read scripture, you hear there's times where there'll be mother against daughter-in-law and father against son and all that stuff, right? That's a, that, that there'll be times. But in this case, it would be one thing if, it, if that was happening because of some argument over the truth. It feels like lots of the anxiety, lots of the negativity, lots of the unrest, lots of the um, disease of the soul is happening because it's a business model. It's a business model of media and tech. That's what they're doing. And so we're watching it in sort of real time and we should be disturbed by it. And I don't have an answer, by the way. I do have an answer when I think of, like I mentioned, and we're talking to Larry Elder next week. If you go to read Larry Elder's book on his father... And you get a sense of a man, Larry Elder, writing as a son and then as an as grown-up. There's a certain amount of – there's a quality to certain people who are wise. We need more wisdom. 
We need less anxiety and more wisdom. And we somehow need to find the ways to utilize the, uh, the, the paths, the, um, the avenues, whether it's social media, the Internet, even uh, streaming services, utilize the tools to get the messages out. And, I, you know, the I, I, last thing I'll say is I, I think I've told you all I do an interview um, each Wednesday morning. And this past week when I was on Wednesday morning with a radio station in Champaign-Urbana, it's a guy named Stevie J, who's the host of a show. His brother, who's a retired engineer, I think he is a scientist, lives in New Orleans. And he's always calling in during his, he steps away from his Bible study and talks on the phone. So it's the three of us. And it's kind of like a therapy session. We talk about everything. And, and they, there's just a wisdom. And, and, and what, I, what I mean to say is you have to get the small groups, the solidarity, the comfort to be strong. And then you have to resist the anxiety machine and resist the temptation to be in a crisis that you can solve or even that you can't solve because it's exhausting everybody. It's exhausting ourselves. It's exhausting the people around us. And it's leading to this sort of governing by crisis, by this massive sense of everything is in crisis, therefore we'll solve it. And you know, uh, you know it's the old um, Rahm Emanuel quote, never let a crisis go to waste. These crises are engineered and then someone solves them. And again, on this, uh, on Stevie J's show, his brother Johnny said, when you have crises that other people solve, by definition, those other people are the ones that get you out of it. They have more control or they could have more control. And that's how it feels. Whether it's a possible renewal of masks or whatever you're going to say next, you know, all these different things. Uh, it's something very strange. But this mental health question, it's, it's, you, you, we're going to have coverage of uh, Osaka, the tennis player, and Simone Biles, their mental health issues. The mental health issues are being aided and abetted, if not created, by the media monstrosity. Anyway, that, well, then they'll be the ones that cover it dramatically. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. We've got great interviews. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Lord Conrad Black is with us. He's been a, well, he's a very prominent businessman. He's a leading newspaper publisher. He, all over the world, actually, Britain, in Great Britain, in Australia, Jerusalem Post, Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, I'm always interested. He's also written biographies, a historian on Franklin D. Roosevelt, Roosevelt Richard Nixon, uh, and, of course, Donald Trump. Welcome back, Lord Black. How are you today? Fine, thanks, Ed. Thanks for uh, thanks for having so, me on. Yeah. So across the span of all you've seen, uh, Joe Biden as president at this point, how's how's he doing? Well, look, I, I I always wish whoever the American president is, I always wish that person well. I don't care what party. I've not that I have a vote in the United States, but uh, you know, I, one has one's preferences, and I've at different times. Uh, supported presidents of both parties, and whoever is there, I always wish them well and hope they do well. Uh, uh, so, I, I, having said that, uh, given my little homily, I am afraid that he's not doing very well. Uh, I mean, he, the one area where he, where he has been apparently a, uh, an undoubted success is uh, by his laid-back nature and his comparatively uh, sparse uh, exposure to the media and the media's almost rock-solid support of him, not 
because of him, but because of their animosity to his predecessor, uh, the the atmosphere has become much calmer. We, you know, I, I was generally speaking a supporter of President right. Trump, but even I found uh, his being constantly in the face of the public of the whole world and all day and then tweeting all night uh, became right. it, it just it just became grating and annoying. Although he was, I think, a good president. Uh, so in terms of just improving the atmosphere. I think President Biden's been been quite a success. But in other areas, he's got skyrocketing crime. He's got a, an absolute flood tide of illegal uh, immigration, some of it undesirable immigration, uh, but in any case, completely unprocessed and unregulated. And, and um, uh, you know, the addition of a city the size of metropolitan St. Louis practically every year to the population of, of mainly people who don't speak English and aren't skilled workers. Uh, and and uh, and and he's got an inflation rate that, if tabulated on the on the earlier the basis of about twenty years ago, when you gave adequate weight to the cost of gasoline and and uh, building materials, lumber in particular, would be at eight or nine percent and rising. In all of these circumstances, I would say that it, it is it has been a very very poor first six months. Well, and again, we're talking I, with Lord Conrad Black. That, I, but it is. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I wish I could well, tell you well, that he was a candidate for Mount Rushmore if his partisans weren't trying to blow up Mount Rushmore. Well, and 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 the thing that makes you shake, I mean, shake your head if you're a Trump supporter is I think the other day on Twitter someone posted comments about when Obama visited um, uh, Mount Rushmore, how it was striking to see him there with these incredible leaders, and then Bernie Sanders a few years later, when Trump goes, it's stomping on the face of uh, you know of the Native Americans. But we're, we're talking about Lord Conrad Black. A few weeks ago, ten days ago, you had a column on uh, the Biden misery index. You wrote about the you were writing some of these specifics, but the the line I wanted to ask you about, which was a pullout on America. And greatness, and I'll ask you about American greatness in a moment too, because I want to comment on that. But the pullout quote that they used was: "The rabbits are chasing the hunters, the children are operating the candy store, and the lunatics are running the asylum." I, I guess when you see all the things that are happening, as you pointed out, rampant uh, uh, illegal immigration, uncontrolled—it doesn't matter whatever you think of it—it's uncontrolled. It's clearly not; doesn't seem to be a plan. And then the critical race theory being sort of run rushed in and out of the military and everywhere else. My question, though, is. Is it really that the lunatics are running asylum or are the leftists happy to race and get every ground a territory they can while they have power? I think there's certainly an element of that, but some of this is just so irrational. I think it is lunacy. I mean, you, you mentioned inflation. I mean, you said they, they don't have any answer to it. That's not quite right yet. They have an answer. Their answer is is another staggering <laughs> increase in the money supply. <laughs> right. As if I mean, if they're going to do that, logically, what they should do is just abolish all taxes. So we'll just we'll just right. cover all spending with borrowing, and and so there's no taxes. Everybody makes as much as they want, you know, or as much as they can. Right. Uh, but but uh, or if they if they want to, I guess they would want to tax the rich, but abolish all taxes on anyone who makes less than a million dollars a year. But uh, I mean, that part is just lunacy. I don't think that's. The, you know, the extremists right. within the administration uh, who are hiding behind the fig leaves of Biden and, to a degree, Harris. Uh, I mean, she's a bit of an extremist herself, I think. But uh, yep. insofar as she can make us 
you know, a, a coherent thought come together, but right. um, and not just cackle with that annoying laughter. But, you know, and so I, I, I think you've got a combination of the two. I mean, it is now appearing quite clearly that the arrangement that was made was the, the powers that be in the Democratic Party picked Joe Biden out of the ditch where he was after the New Hampshire primary, where he came fifth with 11 percent of the vote. Two weeks later, he won in South Carolina, and they put him across on Super Tuesday. And and uh, they they knew they couldn't win with, with Sanders. He was just too scary for the country. So they let Sanders write the program, and Sanders and right. Warren got behind Biden as the candidate. And and uh, and, and uh, that was the deal, I guess, that the Sanders-Warren yeah. program would be put forward by Pelosi and Schumer, uh, and, and, and Joe Biden would sit there as a sort of pleasant, amiable, avuncular, somewhat absent-minded figure, and that's what we're getting. But it, but it, but it's yeah. a it's a tower of Babel. It's it's you know it's it's a uh, it's a vehicle with with four wheels of different sizes, and the axles are going to break, and the wheels will come off in all directions. It's a shambles. Well, but and and so again, Lord Conrad Black is who we're talking to, a historian and publisher, businessman. Um, but at this point. If you're Donald Trump and you're sitting in New Jersey and you're looking at this, you're saying to yourself, I can win the nomination easily. And at this rate, anybody who's running against this mess, I think, has a pretty good shot. Right. I mean, doesn't it get more tempting every day? I say not only yes to that. Yes, you're right. Uh But I, I, I think, in fact, inadvertently, the Democrats are playing right into his hands by by giving him the excuse for not being in the country's space all the time, by deplatforming him at, at uh, Facebook, right, at Twitter. Right. Uh, by doing yep. that, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. He's not irritating the public. When he does speak, he speaks intelligently <laughs> and well. And so people are starting to, one, forget why they hated him in the first place, the people who did. And right. the others are, are starting to think, you know, Trump wasn't that bad, you know. And and it strengthens him all the time, and doubly so because they rode the COVID uh, pandemic. Yeah completely irresponsibly, terrorized the country, created a state of hysteria, defamed Trump as a virtual murderer, confusing him with the governor of New York. And uh, and and now, uh, the, not only has any progress that there is, and of course there's great progress, due to the vaccine that they said they wouldn't trust because it was his vaccine, but they're now claiming credit for it, uh, but they have made such a shambles of things that they are seriously considering bringing back mask mandates i mean if they do that this is this is playing russian roulette with all six chambers loaded the country is not going to remask after all this and accept that biden right. has done anything with the covid uh, problem except bring it back <laughs> Yeah. No, I think that's I mean, all I, right. I, I mean, I, I agree with levitation. that. You see, you see the polls yeah. moving, and they're just starting to move now. But I, I think they, you know, he's got a six-month honeymoon, and it's gone, and they've got a little to show for it. Again, we're talking with Lord Conrad Black. Let me shift gears because your name came up. I was speaking the other day with a businessman in uh, Europe, and he was complaining that the EU is uh, and Brussels is irresponsibly left-wing in all the media. And and so I want to segue to the fact that there has been bright spots uh, in the American uh, firmament. We had American greatness start five years ago. You you mentioned in one of your columns recently that you contributed a small piece highlighting the fifth anniversary of American greatness. 
which has been extraordinary. You know, the, the value of Julie Kelly and some of these voices, um, Angela Cotavila, I mean, very valuable voices. However, most of the world is really dominated by the, the left lean of, of the media like we've never seen. I'm afraid that is true. Uh, I'd be curious to know how my name came up in the conversation of the European, but that, that's not of interest to your listeners. But the, uh, I, I, but he, and he's right about the EU, and I, I said that uh, in my capacity as a British newspaper owner. Uh, the real reason for, for Britain's departure from the EU, it wasn't immigration, it wasn't anything like that. It was the, the, the British... The British uh, are law-abiding people, but they have to be sensible laws. I mean, the French and Italians basically don't care what the government does, consider the government to be a bloody nuisance, and ignore it anyway, so that they don't notice how it raises right. <laughs> right. And the French are certainly right. not about to start, start taking orders from the Belgians. But uh, the Germans are accustomed to regimentation, and they're the most influential country in Europe anyway, so they don't mind. But the British like to obey the law, but they have to be sensible laws democratically arrived at. And that's not what you're getting from Brussels. They're not sensible, and it's not democracy. And the British wouldn't. Yeah, have it. well, I'll I'll fill you in on that on the, off the air. But tell, give me give me I just have about a minute left. Uh, your your thoughts on American greatness and the power of uh, websites like that and what it's doing. I, I'm not a, a you know a specialist in judging uh, the, you know the demographics, yeah. but it's a very strong site. I'm not talking about myself here. The other people on it are very strong, and and it's a powerful, consistent message. I feel it's picked up the torch where National Review, which I used to write for, has yeah. somewhat dropped it. I mean, they're good sometimes, but they're they're, they're you know they're all around. You know, they're, they're not focused. Yep. And 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 uh, my understanding is that it's a very popular site, and I, and certainly I can believe that from the comments I, I received. And, and um, I, that kind of thing is able to flourish in a, in a time of fragmented franchises. I mean, when I was a young man, there were, you know, uh, three television networks and, and maybe five in influential publications in the whole country, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and so forth. And, and now everyone can get what they want. And so, there, you know, the, the, the stranglehold that a few media uh, uh, outlets had ha has eroded very radically, and and an out, mm -hmm. a, a site like American Greatness can have great influence, and I and I think it does have yeah. a lot of influence. I think it does too. All right, uh, thank you as always for your great influence and for coming on the show, Lord Conrad Black. Everybody, okay. I'll put up his recent article on uh, social media. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ed. Uh, all right, we'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Got to talk to another friend of mine from Breitbart News. John Bender is a reporter over there, does great writing, and I'll put up on social media his recent piece I want to ask him about, but he's over there all the time in lots of places. You can also find him at John Bender, except the O's and the, the O and the I are uh, replaced by an X, just to throw everybody off. So it's John with an X for the O and Bender with an I for an X for the I. So you'll track him down there and figure it out. All right. So, John, I want to, I saw this piece. I got in touch with you th through your team, and I said, I really want to talk about this. Um, the DOJ dropped 
and I, I, I should set this up. I've got a buddy of mine who does customs work, and he's been an officer for 15 years. And actually, just three months ago, I was with him, and he was telling me about a bunch of, uh, of, of visa violations by Chinese nationals, Chinese military, and then also Indians and others. And he said it's going on all over the place, and it's, it's done in order to steal intellectual property. And he said it's either, I forget how he said it. Uh, oh, he said, um, uh, cash or grab, meaning you can pay someone. The, the Chinese and the Indians will pay someone to bribe them, or just grab it if they if they find it, they're in the situation where they can take it. And they're say a Chinese national. But so tell us about these. The five members of the Chinese military they were arrested for v- lying about their visas, and they were in America. One of these doctoral programs in America. They were arrested and they were let go. Why? What's going on here? Yeah, so as you're describing, um, these were five Chinese nationals that were arrested by um, federal prosecutors last year and charged with visa fraud. Um, The majority of them, four of them came on J-1 visas to the United States. One of them came on an F-1 student visa. Um, And the J visas, the F visas, I mean, China dominates those visa categories. Those are the categories that Chinese nationals use to get into American universities, whether it be for, you know, the doctoral programs, as you mentioned, or as researchers. Four of these were working, you know, at universities in California as research um, assistants, basically, on J-1 visas. Um, And the Justice Department had found that when they applied for their visas, they had fraudulently claimed to either never have worked for the Chinese military or uh, they said that they no longer worked for the Chinese military, that they had so in the past for a brief period, um, which is sort of one of the most alarming parts of this is that the United States federal government is giving visas to Chinese nationals who admit that they've worked for the Chinese military. Um, so they were able to secure visas, according to the Justice Department, by fraudulently saying, lying about their service in the Chinese military. And now the Justice Department under, you know, Attorney General Merrick Garland, they have dropped all charges against these five, five Chinese nationals that were accused of visa fraud. Um, and the Justice Department spokesperson just basically said, well, these people are returning to China, planning to return to China anyway. So, like, there's no use in prosecuting them. <laughs> that was kind of the explanation that was given. Uh, we're talking with John Binder again, who's at Breitbart News, uh, writes over there, and uh, Breitbart.com. Uh, John, so what we have here, I mean, what's your sense of why? Is anybody saying why? Is it because we do the same thing and when they catch somebody in in their country, we don't want everybody to be prosecuted? Is it because, I, I, well, and maybe pause, was the Trump administration on the, the tail, on the trail of this kind of stuff or is it sort of accidental when they get caught? Because there's hundreds of thousands of, of visas, whether it's student visas straight up or some of the other types, and many, many tens of thousands are Chinese nationals. So was this intentionally someone was realizing to crack down and then um you know why didn't why don't they want to make an example what's the reason yeah well the trump administration definitely um you know kind of cracked down on scoping out why certain chinese nationals were here under suspicious terms to get f1 student visas or j1 you know research assistant visas at american universities i mean it should put Anyone working at the State Department, the Justice Department, 
um, you know, you should take a long pause when members of the Chinese military um, or previous members of the Chinese military are applying for visas to work at American universities. And the federal government oftentimes actually rewards those Chinese nationals with visas to come to the United States. I mean, there's roughly half a million Chinese nationals on any given year here in the United States on F1 student visas. So it's half a million Chinese nationals taking, um, you know, student slots at different American universities. Um, and then there's, you know, like in fiscal year 27, 2019, there was almost 120,000 Chinese nationals that arrived that single year on F-1 visas. So, I mean, you're talking about this is more than 100,000 new Chinese students coming on visas every year. The Trump administration sought to sort of crack down on that. Um, because it's such an enormous flow of Chinese students and Chinese research assistants coming to the United States, um, many of which are coming under suspicious terms. Um, but the Biden administration's explanation is that these five individuals are going back to China anyway, and they've been sitting in prison since last year. So if we prosecute them, they'll probably just be given time served because they're only being prosecuted for visa fraud. Um, and right. so they're going to go back to China anyway. So why waste the time and money? Yeah, you know, again, we're talking with John Binder and John, my my source, who's in in, in customs and law enforcement, says um, they may they may not have caught them doing anything. But the point is, there's tens of thousands of them sitting there. And he again, I get the phrase wrong. It was it was cash and grab or something. But he said they're told, you know, when you have a chance, you grab something. And I, why else would they be here? I want to slide over, John. We're talking with John Binder, who's with Breitbart News. You wrote a piece that I think posted on Tuesday, and and the, the actual reporting is. More than 300 illegal aliens arrested, and there are sex offenders. Now, I mean, at a certain point, it gets beyond belief. And I guess I don't even know if I want to ask this question. Were they sex offenders when they got here? Or did they, I mean, did they then get arrested here and released on sex offenders? I mean, how, what do you tell us what this story is? Well, that's a good question. Were they sex offenders when they already got to the United States? Because um, we've seen an, an enormous inflow recently at the U.S.-Mexico border of previously convicted felons that were convicted in the United States, not Mexico. So they were already here illegally, um, deported, and now they're coming back through the border because they're expecting to get released into the interior of the country because of this massive catch-and-release operation the Biden administration is um running right now. But this particular ICE operation, I mean, this is a program that was set up in 2010, Operation SOAR, um, specifically goes after illegal alien sex offenders. So this is, you know, more than three, a little more than 300 arrested over um, a, a period of months by ICE. The larger picture here is that the Biden administration's sanctuary country orders on ICE agents prevents ICE agents from arresting and deporting any illegal alien who is not a recently convicted aggravated felon or a known terrorist or gang member. Um, so that's nine in 10 illegal aliens that do not fit into those three categories. And those are the illegal aliens that are being released from county jails, 
state prisons all across the country because ICE agents cannot deport them unless they have been recently convicted of an aggravated felony. Um, and there are a lot of crimes that do not fall under aggravated felony, you know. Um, and so right. those those are the ones that are being released. So then ICE agents have a harder time with their job because then they have to go out into the community with limited resources to go and find individuals that you know, were accidentally released who should have been deported because they are recently convicted aggravated felons. Um, it, it muddies the entire process. It keeps people here who have literally been convicted of crimes. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, John Binder, and John's uh, writing over Breitbart. He's Breitbart News, and it's at Breitbart.com. I'm looking now at a list of his stories. You know, typical of the Breitbart guys. It looks like he's writing, like, some days three, four times a day on these stories covering things. Um, and, uh, uh, John, uh, one last question on this, because I noticed a number of your articles are on the on the border issues. Um how I know this is a little bit of a setup, but how bad is this crisis? Like, in other words, it's always bad if you actually look at it. Even under Trump, there were people, there were kids in cages, there were people coming through. There was the system wasn't perfect. But how bad is it right now? I mean, what you're seeing and what you're reporting and what you're hearing from your colleagues and your sources, uh, you know, because we're getting no coverage in the mainstream media. How bad is it? Yeah, well, it's really bad. I mean, I don't like to be I don't want to be depressing and Debbie Downer, but it's very bad. And the Republicans are talking about it in all the wrong way. We keep hearing them hold press conferences, screaming, you know, we need Biden administration officials to use the word crisis. I mean, all of these kinds of things. It's all fluff. That does nothing in the long term. It does nothing in the short term. And they're looking at all the wrong things. Look at the number of border crossers that are being released into the interior of the United States every single day. We have close to, we're going, I mean, Senator Ron Johnson said today, we're going on almost 200,000 illegal aliens released into the interior of the country in the first six months. Um, These are the things that Republicans are not talking about because they're too busy shouting the word crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know whether it, uh, Frank Luntz got into somebody's caucus and told him to use a magic word as opposed to describing what's happening. Well, uh, John Binder, if you, everybody listening, if you want to find out what's happening, go to Breitbart.com, Breitbart News. John Binder's writing about it. Thank you, John, for your time as always, and we'll have you back on again very soon. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break, and I'll put up on social media, John, the most recent couple of articles I refer to of John's. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Democrats act like election integrity is a Republican plot to put black people back in chains, as Joe Biden so offensively put it. The Washington Post renamed election integrity bills and called them Republican-led voting restrictions to make them sound more scary to the uninformed voter. Stacey Abrams is fundraising off the phrase Jim Crow 2.0 in reference to Republican efforts to secure the elections. These kinds of talking points would make anyone justifiably frightened about being disenfranchised. Sadly, few people look beyond the talking points to consider exactly what election integrity measures are being called for. Senator Kamala Harris said in 2019 that voter suppression directly caused Democrats to lose the governorships of Georgia and Florida in 2018. 
Yet Census Bureau data shows that a record-shattering 27% more black Americans and 50% more Hispanic Americans voted in those 2018 midterms as compared to the 2014 midterms. So where's the suppression? When Democrats blame their losses on voter suppression, they obviously are not relying on hard data. Instead, they rely on unquantifiable anecdotes with no basis in reality. One would think that if Democrats did not have to be constrained by the facts, they could at least come up with a good lie. Pathetically, they can't even manage to do this. At the core of their argument is the belief that minorities are too lazy or incompetent to get a photo ID to vote. Calling minorities ignorant doesn't sound like a winning message in 2021, but that's exactly what Democrats do every time they call voter ID laws suppression. Americans are far behind the rest of the developed world when it comes to election integrity. Out of a survey of 47 European nations, only the United Kingdom does not require photo voter IDs nationwide, though the UK is on track to join the rest later this year. Clearly, if ID voter suppression is real, it must be a uniquely American problem. It's high time for Americans to leave behind racist Democrats who think minorities are too ignorant to get a photo ID. Real election integrity laws are beneficial to citizens of all skin tones. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Uh, so, you know, what we uh, have now, and I got a text about this from one of the listeners. If you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up there for the daily email, but also email me uh, through the uh, website there, or you can text me directly, 314-256-1776, 314-256-1776. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um one of the texts, it was a text from a listener um, from many months ago. He texted me. He, he texted me first months ago. We got into an exchange and he just texted me the other day and said, um, watch, he said, Republicans will cave on the spending bill. And I wanted to come to that. This is Dave. David, I guess is his full name. David uh, from the San Diego area. He texted me that. And here's what I want to report. You're not seeing the coverage of it right now. You have to kind of go searching for it. Uh, but all of the infrastructure discussions have stalled, right? That was supposed to be this great bipartisan thing. It's stalled. And the next thing you need to know is that the uh, the White House is actively chasing uh, meetings with uh, Senator Kristen Cinema of Arizona, who is kind of a moderate on both the filibuster as well as uh, on spending. And um, uh, Governor, uh, excuse me, former governor, he's now Senator uh, Manchin of West Virginia, because they're trying to see if they can jam through this big, massive $3.5 trillion spending. Here's what I think David meant. At a certain point, a bunch of the Republicans that are sort of in the uh, system, you can call them swamp monsters if you want, but they just know the system. When they see it's going to go, they'll find a way to, to, to sign on for some of the money and some of the, the action. That's what you expect to see. Now, I do want to point out, I have a feeling that when the history of this time is written, 
that Mitch McConnell will get credit for holding his team together. Because if you think about it, they really haven't allowed much to happen, not much big. And I believe that's intentional. I believe that he knows, he can see that anything that is done, uh, Mitch McConnell now, that is done by the Democrats, they're going to get blamed for. You know, you don't have to go far to search to find the Democrat former Treasury Secretary and economist Larry Summers, who is saying inflation is coming as soon as next year. It's going to be really bad. And you just have to look around and you're starting to see people that say, hey, all other things being equal, we are not going. It's not going well. And what you the last thing you want to do is sign on if you're Republicans to voting for something like an infrastructure deal that you can point to and say, look, I did something good when everything's going south. So I think what you're seeing is uh, Mitch McConnell holding his team together now. So I'm, I'm going back and forth a little bit, David, on your point. I do think that at a certain point, Republicans, some of them will want to cut a deal. I'm just not sure they can get away with it. In this environment, I'm not sure that anybody can get away with working with the Democrats politically. Whatever you think of it, you know, and again, the, the, the infrastructure deal is full of lots of stuff that's not infrastructure that has to do with helping uh, special interest groups. The, the uh, $3.5 trillion massive spending thing is absolutely filled with all sorts of things. And, you know, we saw earlier on Tuesday, and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, the CDC is moving, as you'd expect them to do, towards the liberal position, which is more masks, more mask mandates, masks on kids in schools. That's where it's headed. And, you know, again, at this point, the American people don't really trust the experts, don't really trust these people in power. Uh, I don't think at all. But the fact is, what's going to happen if the CDC follows through on what is so far being leaked that they're going to put mask mandates on schools, on kids in schools and teachers in schools? What's going to happen? What's going to happen when they and some of they saying hotspots, they're using the Delta variant as a hotspot. They're going to say more masks, more requirements. I think the American people are fed up beyond anything, and I don't think they're going to take this anymore. But back to my point, the infrastructure deal, the spending deal, the big spending deals appear to be stalled at least as to bipartisan participation, which is an indication that it's so politically uh, perilous that they're running for the hills. Of course, we have to be careful as if there is a 2022 election that is free and fair, you know, we, whether we're going to get reforms in our election system so that it's uh, everybody can feel comfortable, want to vote and think their vote counts. That's a lot of work between now and a year and I guess 15 months from now. So we'll see about that. All right. We're going to have to go, everybody. Thank you, as always. Hey, some great. We had some great speakers, some Daphne Barak and her, and her um, partner, uh, Bill Gunasty. Uh, I'll put that up over on the social media and also on our web- website, Pro America Report. You can listen to that interview. Very interesting. We'll take a break. I'm excuse me, we'll take a break. We'll take a break overnight. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.